Alright you guys, welcome back to part 3 with Josh, aka R.I.P. I know last time I left you on a cliffhanger, I promised not to do that this time. So here we go, the final part 3, Josh, R.I.P. Hawk yep. has the biggest gamble of his life, and it comes up big. What happens? He wins the lotto. <laughs> so he's a huge man. He was always a huge gambler. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say it flat out. You know, he was a huge gambler, and anyway, he hit the lotto, and um, yeah, he he started really winning big. You know, and um, he he kind of had a new lease on life when that happened. He was so happy. He he bawled his eyes out and. Um, I'm not going to go into the sum, but it was sure. it was quite significant, and um, it it really helped us at home because you know my my brother's um, has a disability, and it's very hard to care for him, and so we were able to do certain things at home to make things more comfortable, but also for Pete, it was an opportunity to live his life, and um, Pete felt on top of the world, and then um, he um, kind of got stopped in his tracks and um, was diagnosed with cancer. And how long, um, how long between that huge uh, moment of, hey, well, we, we've struck gold here, and how long was that after that lot of moment had happened? Are we talking a couple of months here, a couple of weeks? How long was I that? I think it was a couple of weeks. I don't know. Right. I remember okay. it was very yeah. close together right. and okay. that we were all just shocked. Mm. And um, I remember my mum was just devastated. But because yeah. um, they were married, myself, they were married at this time, right? Yeah, yeah, they were married, yeah. and um, I remember myself thinking that nothing could take him down, sort of thing. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, oh well, tough, you know, you'll be right. And um, <laughs> I know, I know that um, he was very scared. Um, yeah. And and yeah, um, yeah, it was just a, a really weird time. The, the initial diagnosis, if, if I remember correctly, um, and this is just paraphrasing, because I wasn't there at the time. I didn't have the, the ground zero, so to speak, uh, results and updated news because I was away. I, was, I wasn't at the company at this point, but I, I had heard on the grapevine that, hey, you know, there, there was conflicting reports whether he was healthy. We all heard he won lotto. That that went around quicker than you could say, well, I don't know, lotto. It was, it was yeah, very much an overnight. Yeah, a lot of the guys that he, he had sacked from IPW – still had the nerve to ask him to lend him money. That's how bad that was. Wow. Yeah. Well, I never knew that. The, wow. Yeah. A lot of guys in the industry would hit him up for money and it was, it was pretty sad really. Cause That's, um, they'd do nothing yeah. but slag him off because, you know, you wouldn't give him a push or something like that. But then when it came time to, to have some money, they, they just all relied on him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's a very strange mechanic to have. So yeah, so he's uh he's been diagnosed now because I I know he he held on there for for many years long past the initial diagnosis because wasn't the original diagnosis I think like a couple of months or something like that they said hey you know we don't know about this but we're guessing it might be x amount of months is that am I yeah. am I reporting that correctly? Yeah, they they kind of gave him an approximation right. where they actually I think they gave him a year. Right. And, okay. Um, uh, I, I, no, no, it would be about six months, and um, right. he kept telling him wrong. He kept coming back, and yeah. um, which is awesome. 
And mm. um, in that time, like with, with his money, he took my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, to New Zealand twice, just him, right. my mum and her. And he took her to the snow and they spent time together. And he did a lot of really nice things. Yeah. And he, he also helped me, um, like, he just uh, just just helped me out with things in the business and um, whether whether he, he had, he'll just go and buy something and bring it to me. You know, he, he just wanted to show that he loved us. During and this time? So, what's that? Is this, is this after he's gotten the diagnosis? Have you started yeah, to do these trips? Yeah, you start yeah, to turn so, up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's got the diagnosis and he, he's kind of got this new lease where he wants to live his life to the fullest. Sure, yeah. But um, that was the perception. And so that's what everyone thought. Everyone thought that he was just living his life and trying to have a good time. But Pete was very scared. He um, he's very scared of going. And um, the hardest thing I ever heard him say was, um, and this is really hard for me to say, but um, he said that he's not going to see his baby girl grow up, which is my daughter. Right. And um, that broke my heart. That um, it was it was it was a really hard time. Hmm. And um, so he he was facing that mortality issue. And um, we really tried to get him to enjoy life. And then it got to a point where he started to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, the cancer was spreading. Um, his lungs were affected. I remember yep. one time, um, this is a completely different issue, but like he just had an attitude where it was like, fuck you, fate. You know, like you're not going to decide shit. And one yeah. day... Um, there was this guy working on our property. He had, um, um, wasn't a forklift. It was like a digger and, um, he's driving, uh, you know, full speed ahead and Pete's walking across the lawn and the guy's like, get out of the way, get out of the way. And Pete (laughs) stares down the tractor or whatever the yeah digger or whatever it is. And he doesn't move. And the digger drives into him and takes a chunk out of his leg, like a chunk of flesh. And um, he had to be raced to hospital because he was like bleeding out. Um, But he's lucky he didn't sever an artery. But Pete just had this attitude where, you know, no, fuck you. (laughs) You don't decide shit. And, um, yeah, so that happened. And um, so he had to have a dressing on that done. Um, At one point it was every day he had to have this dressing repacked in his leg. So he'd have to drive all the way to the GP every day and get that done. And um, so, yeah, he's still, even though he was so scared and so sad about this diagnosis, he just had a, he didn't want to be told what was happening to him. He was going to live his life to the fullest. And um, some of the times it worked and some days he just had some really down days. Yeah. uh, Where he, he knew he was feeling sick and it, things weren't right. Like he went through a chemo phase where, you know, he was, he was vomiting a lot and mm. he was just very sick. And, um, yeah, my mum was just a, a saint. Like mm. she, everything was for Pete yep. and her whole life was just caring for him. And, um, my, my hat goes off to her cause that was you know, yeah. three, four years of her life where she was just 24 seven. Um, yeah, huge, huge dose of respect and an absolute deep bow towards your mum for uh, standing by him and, and sort of co-going through that because, uh, 
first-hand experience, and uh, I'm not alone, but first-hand experience, uh, yeah, that is a very, uh, very, I wouldn't wish those kinds of scenarios upon anyone uh, to, mm. to, be, to be not only there, but to be going through it and see someone that you care about that deeply be exposed to this terrible, terrible illness. But yeah, it's, it takes a lot of, uh, it takes a lot of inner strength to sort of stand stand tall with a smile on your face and let the person going through it going, hey, you know, we got this. So, yeah, my hat's off to her as well. I mean, mm. it's, yeah. So it, did did Hawk come down to the shows at all during this time or was this, was this very much a stay at home, we're not going anywhere kind of vibe? Because he said he was driving himself to the hospital for this dressing. So Yeah, he, he, he would um... – he actually came down quite a bit at one stage to the right. shows and he got really into it. And I remember one thing didn't go well on a show. Um, he, he had a rant about it on Facebook, like he was a fan, you know? Mm. So, yeah. He, he did get into things quite, um, uh, quite a lot, but then he just got sicker and sicker. Yeah. And um, eventually uh, what happened was he, um, the grandkids were his life. Um, sure. my, my youngest was born in 2017, no, 2018. Wow. Sorry. I oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, he was chuffed with that. And then he pretty much spent every waking moment with Troy, which is my brother and mm. me and, um, the two girls, like he spent a lot of time with the two girls and, um, yeah, then again, it was really hard for him as well because, he he knew he wasn't going to be around and um um my kids for instance at christmas time talking to him about next christmas mm. and him knowing that he wasn't going to be around and to see him try and put on a, a strong face and and talk mm. about it optimistically um it it would have been so hard and my hat goes off to him because um that just it broke all of our hearts, and um, yeah. he still, you know, put on that brave face. But anyway, he um, it then his his um, brain became compromised, so he had a bit of um, a delirium, a dementia, and because again, this is what I work with every day. It was very hard to see someone in that position mm. because I knew exactly what he was going through, and. Um, it was very hard. He was very confused and um, thinking he was in places that he wasn't and um, becoming very paranoid. And yeah, anyway, so he, he, he had this general decline and the girls tried to um, engage with him. And, you know, a lot of the time children are great because they get a different reaction from um, people who are sick, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. They release that sort of, endorphin of um it, it brings in a maternal instinct you know or paternal and yep. um pete really responded to that and um but yeah he he then one day he had a real bad episode at home and i remember being called over at about five in the morning wow yep yeah and he um we ended up having to call an ambulance um and he was um taken to hospital um, and in that ambulance flash, yeah. um, he actually thought that you were the paramedic. Did you know that? 
No? I'm kind of stunned because, no, I, I, I've never heard this story in my life, no. No, yeah, he, he actually um, – sorry, it's a hard time to talk about. But, um, yeah, I should have told you, but he actually thought um, you were the paramedic looking after him, which I think is quite strange. Um, after the paramedic would talk to him and the paramedic was annoying him too. He was like, stop <laughs> taking my bloody blood pressure. Um, yeah. But he goes, is that Flashman? I'm like, no, no, that's not Flashman. He's like, oh, he knows Flashman. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he knows Flashman, Pete. And he's like, oh, good, good, he knows Flashman. And then that was it. But it was just, it was interesting. And, um, but anyway, Troy, Troy and I have never been close, close. Um, because he lives on the coast, I live in Brisbane and, um, we've just have different interests in life, you know, and I'm very much, you know, wrestling and the girls well, the girls and wrestling, you know, and that's my life. And he's, you know, got other things. So we were never close, but then, um, him and I, and my mum were with Pete in hospital and he, he was quite quite unwell, quite, um, quite confused. And it was very hard. And Troy and I just really supported each other because mm. we, we both knew that his, our hearts were, were breaking and that he, he wasn't going to be around much longer. And, um, yeah, we just tried to support each other as much as we could. And, um, we really developed a bond Yeah, and, um, you know, we cried together and laughed together and tried to make a joke of the situation together. And, um, yeah, it, it was really hard. And, um, yeah, eventually, um, I was there for 48 hours in the hospital and, um, I went and got my grandmother to come over and say goodbye. Cause, um, one thing that people don't know is my grandma and him were best friends. She right. lived on the same property they were best friends. I'd talk every day. Um, so she got to say goodbye. And then um, and then I went and got my brother. And so I'm going backwards and forwards. And he said goodbye as well. And um, I went home um, just to get some sleep. And um, my mum gives me a call that morning and just said, look, he's gone. He, um, he passed away and, um, that was that sort of thing. He went quite peacefully, but, um, mm. I've always kind of been sad at the fact that he was scared at some points and, mm. um, I'm kind of comforted in the fact that we were there to calm him down. Like there was one point, like my mum just had a way of just calming him down, even when he was completely of sound mind, I think you would have seen it plenty of times where she'd just give him a look and pat his hand or something. And he just completely calm. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she had a wonderful way. We, uh, I think we used to dub her the Pete whisperer because if mm. he, if he went on like a, a, a bit of a, a rant or a tangent and was sort of, you know, seemingly acting like a wild stallion, just kicking around and flailing around and being like, you know, F this, F that, this is dumb, this is shit. She would sort of appear out of nowhere and be like, whoa, and just sort of calm him down and then to the point of, right, what are we talking about? And it was just like it, that whole anger, that whole 
moment there where he was just lashing out was just forgotten because she would just calm him and he's like, all right, moving on. And that was, mm. she had a, she had a wonderful way with him. It's something that um, I've never witnessed with anyone else. Just this whole, it, I guess the best word is soothing. She was just able to just be like, okay, here you go. And just, just sort of wash over him. And mm. it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see. And there were many a times where I'd come up to that, his house and he'd, uh, he'd be talking about the industry and, uh, and he'd sort of get fired up about something and then, yeah, she would do that. She'd be like, here's your tea. And he's like, oh, that's, thank you. And then she'd be like, mm. you know, what are we talking about? Hulk's like, oh, I don't know. I can't remember now. I'm, oh, what are we talking about? And then it wasn't, it wasn't forgetfulness. It was a case of, hey, you know, I'm, I'm calm. I'm good. What, what are we talking about? Let's move on. Mm. And, uh, yeah, she was, she was, uh, she was wonderful with him, man. But yeah, it, it, um, oddly enough, when he passed, mm-hmm. She calmed him down, and, he, and then he he went, and um, he was holding her hand when he went, which I think is lovely. Mm-hmm. But um, that day he passed, believe it or not, was show day. Wow! Yeah, it was the day of IPW wrestling, and yeah. I had I had no intention of doing it. Sure. And um, I know that a lot of people would be upset with me not doing the show, but I, I just wasn't up to it. I was a wreck. Um, yeah. That morning, as soon as I got the call, I went there and said goodbye to him. Um, and that was so hard. And I remember just holding him and, yeah, you know, telling him how much I loved him. He always he, um, he always treated me as a son. Mm. And um, he would always – no one has ever told me how proud of me they are, you know, like – no one has said I'm proud of you more than Pete has. Pete sure. always yeah. told me, you know, how much he loved me and how proud he was. And um, he he also gave me credit as a father, you know. He, he just said, you know, I'm so proud of what a good father you are and yeah. look after my girls. And, you know, he was just, yeah, anyway, so saying goodbye to him was so hard and um, telling the kids was so hard. Um, but anyway, we, we, um, got this news and we've said our goodbyes and I'm ready to go home and just spend the whole day, um, miserable. But then, um, then my mum tells me that, no, you've got to do it. And I'm like, what? She's like, no, you've got to do it. Pete would want you to do it. And my Pete would definitely do it himself you need to do this. And, um, mum was pretty upset. She didn't, she shouldn't have even put the energy into trying to convince me. She should have just mourned, you know, (laughs) but she just wanted, um, me to, to live the, the legacy that he's left me, you know? And, um, so I went to the show and I, we did the show and, um, I remember, I think it was Ash I spoke to in the canteen and, told him what happened and then there was sweet ass and it was um the guys that pete really loved you know yeah um i think i spoke to you on the phone and it's just yeah a lot of people to tell um and then every every show we do a speech which i think most companies do we do a speech of what's happening on the night and so this was the hardest day of my life really because i was shaking the whole day and, um, yeah, so, um, I went and told everyone and everyone was in shock, but we, we made it. So, um, 
we weren't going to announce it on the night. Um, and uh, we'd go out there and just do the best show we possibly could. And it ended up being a really good show. Um, and, you know, people people really responded to it. And um, I wish I could have wrestled that show because, you know, like I, I was recovering from an injury. I just had knee surgery. But, um, you know, his spirit was definitely in the building. Mm. And then, um, you know, we had the funeral and so many people came along and, um, you know, said goodbye to him. And I think it was really nice. And um, we had like 10 people get up and do a little mini eulogy on his life because there was just so many people who had stories and wanted to talk about him. Mm-hmm. And we had about six or seven people come over from New Zealand. Yeah. Um, lots yeah. of people from interstate came over and it was just really nice. And then um, um, we did the tribute show to him. So, because mm-hmm. um, we didn't want to tell the audience the day that he died, it was too soon. You know, we needed to mourn, and sure. um, I wasn't I wasn't ready to talk about it. Yeah. And um, anyway, so we got all the crowd, uh, the roster out, um, and we were all wearing black armbands for for Pete. Mm-hmm. And um, I got on the microphone and just um, talked about him. And we did the 10 bell salute. And mm-hmm. um, it was it was really nice, you know, and so many people um, actually a lot of a lot of people were crying. You know, it was a really nice moment. Yeah. And yep. um, I think I could really feel his presence again. Um, and I think one thing that would make him really happy now is that um, Troy and I talk every week. We're really close now. And, um, you know, like there's not a phone call where, um, I talk to him and I don't say I love you before I hang up. Cause yeah. that's how I was with Pete. Mm-hmm. And, um, I made sure that every day I had with Pete after he got sick, just cause I knew I was going to lose something big in my life that I said, I love you before I said goodbye. Yeah, and um, Pete was very much he, he was a tough guy, but if you gave him a hug or a kiss or whatever, he really appreciated it. And yeah. um, I know it, the only the one way to make him cry is because I I referred to him as a father, and if I ever did that, he would just start crying because it just meant that much to him to be that role in my life, and he very much was. Mm. But um with Pete the one time that um I felt most spiritually connected to him was um the reunion show and you were there for that yeah yeah I was yes. there in the I was there at ringside <coughs> where you guys had the boots on the ring for the 10 bell tribute show the initial one I was yep. at ringside for that but uh yeah the reunion show I made sure that hey First cab off the rank, if need be. I was like, man, without question, I would, I would, I think I quite literally stopped when I would, what I was doing when that, when that phone call came in. Uh, mm. I think I was mid cooking and almost burnt my house down. But hey, this phone call, yeah. <laughs> this phone call was important. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely was there for that reunion show. Yeah, it was, it was a huge show, and a lot of the guys from twenty years ago came out of the woodworks to wrestle, and it was really nice. And um, mm. we, you know, we did it for Pete. And um, I, I had a match of Troy um, Cruz, and it was yeah. brother versus brother. 
yep. in a no disqualification match. And hmm. um, yeah, it was it was just billed as a huge match. And mm-hmm. um, I I'm not one to push myself in a company. Um, I'm not one to give myself a title if I'm running the company. I don't like that. Never have. Yeah. Yep. But um, I was planning the show and in the locker room in the in at training. Sorry. Um, I announced the card of what the show was going to be and um, Sweet Ass, Ash, um, Scorn and a few other of the boys had heat with me. And I was wondering, like, I've never had heat with these guys before. Like, what the what the hell's going on? Yeah. Um, and I went and had to talk to them and they said, look, mate, you need to be main event. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you're you're fourth on the card and i'm like yeah because there's a huge rumble that night and you know the crowd's got to go home happy and i think that would be the best way to do it and they're like you cannot not be the main mm. and um they said trust me when you get out there you know you'll feel him with you you need to be you know in that main event spotlight for pete mm-hmm. and um yeah so Eventually, I come around to the idea, and we we did it. And um, so, I'm, I'm Troy and I were both a mess. Still, we're still very much upset about what's happened. And um, we spoke a little bit backstage, and we go to the ring. And I think before we enter the ring, we always flip each other off or fart on each other or whatever it is. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, we go to the ring, and uh, we're staring each other down. And I'm whispering "fuck you" to him, and then he's calling me a fat prick or whatever, and under his mask, and um, we're looking at each other, and we're like, you know, this is this is for Pete, and we're staring each other down, and we could see into each other's souls, like we could see the hurt in each other, we really could, and um, I think, you know, that's a real bond of a brother, mm. and um, we did the match, and the funny thing is, the first move in the match, the real significant move, like we. We roll out of the ring and he, he takes me down and then he's supposed to hit me with a chair. And because of the mask and because we have different lighting now, we've got really fancy lighting in our shows now, he couldn't see properly. Yeah. So he hits me with the chair and it was all steel. It was all the corner steel part of the chair. Mm. And what it did is it dug into my head and then took a chunk out. Oh, wow. And then what happened? proceeded to happen and I have this on on camera is it squirted out of my head like a Tarantino movie and I don't I don't I have a very high pain tolerance I can handle you know most things but like I was just seeing this blood squirt out of my head like a fountain and I'm like what the hell is going on and um I had actually um edit this out if you have to but like I had planned to blade in this match and I had the blade and um, the ref, uh, sorry, the ref hands me the blade and I just look at it. I'm like, oh, no, fuck this. I don't need it now. So <laughs> I, I, I threw that away. Um, we get into the match and we're just beating the living hell out of e- each other. And um, I'm, I'm actually really fucking heated now. I'm really pissed off. And um, so I'm laying the hits in and he's stiffing the shit out of me as well. And um, he gets me in the corner and he puts my head between the ladder. And he, he slams the ladder and my head is sandwiched in between the rungs. And so I hadn't had, had a chance to get my arm up safely. So 
what he, he then proceeds to do is a chunk of the back of my head oh. gets taken out. And so the back of my head is bleeding as well. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's, it's chaos. Yeah. And we're continuing to fight. And then I remember uh, Troy telling me that I was lying there next to him because we'd both taken each other out. We're lying down for the double down. And I'm saying to Troy, because I'm heavily concussed now, um, I'm, I'm knocked the fuck out, bro. I'm, I'm knocked out. And then he said to me, all right, let's go home. And this is 10 minutes in. And I roll over and I'm like, no, fuck you. <laughs> and I punch him in the ribs as hard as I could. And then I start laying into my like, full on shoot fists to the head. And I went into survival mode, I suppose. And right. um, I then go for a big kick to the ribs and I nearly kill him with that kick. Like oh. he, I think I would have broken a rib for sure. He, Cause he wasn't walking right for ages. And wow. um, I kicked him real hard and um, I took control. He puts me in this um, guillotine choke. And he's like, just slow down, buddy. It's okay. So, all right, I got you. Uh, we're going to be doing this next and this next. And I'm supposed to gore him through a table while <sighs> he's got the sleeper on. Yeah. And um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember to do this. No worries. I gore the table and I'm seeing quadruple now. I think okay. I see like 40 little muses. <laughs> um, oh, actually, you went out there, were you? Yeah, I, I was. Saw, oh, you were? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the plan was for me to come out and then leave. And then after I think the match got restarted and you started bleeding, I was like, okay, I'll I'll get out there. But, yeah, I came out for that first little segment. But I was definitely watching on the monitor. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was out of it. Anyway, I go to run as fast as I can, which isn't very fast, um, towards the table. Yeah. And I turn for some strange reason and I break the whole table with my head exposed <laughs> so my head just goes through the table and um troy turns and looks at me he's like oh fuck <laughs> and he thinks he, i'm dead now because my head's just been put through the table and nothing has affected him and um anyway we we eventually were on top of a um it would be a what a, a 16 foot ladder mm-hmm. and um he spears me off the top of it for the finish and as I go down, somehow I twist in the air and I end up on top of him through a table. But anyway, he still rolls me over and pins me. So it's a bit of a fuck finish. But at the end of it, like I'm I'm no longer pissed for some strange reason about my head injury. Troy can't breathe properly, beating the absolute hell out of each other. Like we went to war together, like I was talking about before, you know? Yeah. I go to hit him with a chair while he's celebrating and he turns around and he hugs me. And then I right. dropped the chair. And now, um, was that moment planned, or was that a shoot? That was that was planned. Yeah, it was planned. But us talking to each other that whole time with the hug mm. definitely wasn't. Yeah. And um, like we we were having a full on conversation while hugging each other and telling each other how much we loved each other and how much we miss him and all that sort of stuff. And what Troy didn't know is like we're both pretty emotional. Like he's bawling his eyes out. I'm I'm almost like I wish I had the ability to cry, but I think I was slowly dying. But um yeah. What he didn't know is I had planned to play Hawk's music at the end of the night while we're both yep. in the ring. Yeah, his music plays and then he looks at me and he says, Oh, you motherfucker. And um he really starts bawling and we're both pretty upset and 
we really, I felt that Pete's spirit is present and I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, but I felt he was like hovering over us. Like there, there was a cloud of him over us where he watched that whole match and he loved it. And just that emotional presence was there. And um, I'll never forget that memory because, you know, I think of him every day. I miss him every day. I still, yeah. you know, like I still kiss my hand and touch his picture, you know, and sure. um, I think of that moment because that was my way of communicating with him. I remember I got really sick one day and um, I was dehydrated and I was seeing things from being so sick. Wow. And um, I spoke to him. Yeah. I, I saw him and I spoke to him. And I said goodbye to him. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was really beautiful, you know. And mm. um, I think that match with Cruz was what really summed up Pete's wrestling career, my wrestling career, Troy's wrestling career, like the ball wrestling legacy, you know, mm-hmm. was uh, a love for the business, killing each other for it, but there being that underlying love as well. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, we left it all in the ring. Yeah, and um, you... so, yeah, I'll always treasure that memory. Yeah, I I had the pleasure of, of being invited back to, to, to not only be a part of that show, but to witness that match uh, from ringside for a little bit as mini crews and then watching them on the backstage. And, yeah, man, uh, I don't know about the younger guys, but there was uh, a lot of guys that started when Hawk was around from yesteryear to – up to my time and then onwards um, when he was still active as the, as the boss of the company. And yeah, there was not a single person either not standing up and clapping or not a single dry eye in sight because we all, yeah, there was a lot of tears. Yeah. We, we all felt that way, man, that basically what you just said is how we all felt as well. Yeah. Well, when I got to the back and like, I could barely walk mm. and the whole dressing room was there clapping and, yeah. um, that's the sort of family that Pete wanted, you know, that that's, that's what we are about. That's a real credit to the roster that we have even, you know, to present day, because they knew how hard that was for me. They mm-hmm. knew how hard it was for me to run the show the day he passed. Yeah. And um, yeah, they don't always tell me that they appreciate it. I know that they do. Mm. I know that they appreciated that moment that we shared in the ring, you know, and that they knew what it was about. Just being outside of that company when that word hit social media of his passing, I think I found out on the day. I'm not sure whether it was from you, either from yeah, a call did. or a text or from someone of of the other guard sending a text saying, hey, you know, this happened. But yeah, I do remember finding out, I think, pretty sure the day of. And my own recollection was I went outside and I kind of just looked at the sky and I just sort of cried because – there was so many times for me when I was coming up through IPW that I was having a lot of personal demons, both with myself and with my relationships and to some extent the business at that time. And Hawk was very much uh, this is how it is kind of guy and not in a bad way. It was just the kind of thing where it was like, do you want to fix it or do you want to go through it and then come to me and we'll fix it? And that was just the two avenues you could have. It was a case of, like, he would always put it his way, which was like, shut the fuck up. This is how you fix it. And it was like, a, oh, okay. And sometimes it was the boot in your ass that you needed. But other times when you were, you were kind of still going through your own things and it was too soon, he would say, and you didn't react. He's like, 
that's when he would go, all right, talk to me. Because mm. he would always pick up on the differences. And that was something that resonated with him forever. Um, so when that call came down, um, I, yeah, I remember sitting there and, and having my own little moment. Uh, and then I think once it hit social media, um, I rang up the boss of the wrestling company I was working with at that time. And I said, dude, I don't want to make this a part of the show. This, this, this is not going to happen. No, we're not going to play the start of the show and then do this as a segment on the card. No, I said, but I don't care what you say. Cause I was in a position of doing the creative and helping with the writing as well as doing the production, similar things that I would do down there with IPW. But I remember saying to him, man, we have to pay tribute to him. And it's not even a question. I said, we're doing it and credit B within two seconds. Okay. Yep. I yeah. expected, I expected this call. Yep. You tell me what, you, you do it. You, you let me know how you want to do it and we'll do it on the day. And I went great. And it took me 10 minutes. I called him back. I said, right, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, I think the start time for the show was about six thirty, and before the video played, before anything started, um, we, we turned the sort of, you know, the music of fans coming in, buying tickets, whatever. Similar thing that IPW does, you know, have the music on before the show mm. starts. We pulled the volume down, sent all the roster out there. Um, everyone wore a black armband. Even interstate guys that had never met Hawk was like, yeah, sure. I, mm. I, I've heard his name. I'll do it. Uh, there was a few guys there that um, weren't with the roster at that time, myself included. And we, the guys that started with Hawk, with IPW, um, they we stood in the ring. We formed a little group, a little line, and the rest mm -hmm. of the roster surrounded ringside. Uh, I made a graphic um, similar to, you know, in remembrance with Pete's face in the circle and things like that. And um, I, I said a few words. Um, a couple of the other guys said, said some words, and we did the 10-bell salute. And uh, it was really surreal because I think at that moment it was such a desensitizing experience because I think all of us had been exposed to memorials on WWE programming where it was like mm. 10 bell and you're like, oh, this sucks. And they play like a video package and you go, oh, this is terrible. And then the whole show is a tribute to them, that kind of vibe. But to have it be of someone that we knew and have it be of that person that arguably started it all up here, I don't think it really hit the guys outside of the immediate family. So yourselves obviously were going through that whole process for X amount of years. Mm. But for the guys that weren't at home, and I call IPW my home because that is where I started and I've always valued that as my extended family, my home. So mm -hmm. for the guys that weren't home, I think a lot of them it took I think maybe a week or two and I think I would sort of get drip-feeded messages after a week or two going – and it was just fragmented messages. It wasn't like the conversation we've had now. It was sort of things like, fuck, he's really gone. Yeah. Like things like that where it sort of was like, oh, shit, it's – Although it was real at the time, it was just sort of that thing where it was like, oh, now it's just hit me. But I made sure to do that, and the, and I'm really glad we did because it wasn't anything to showboat. It was just literally the fact of, hey, this has happened in our industry. 
Um, we weren't sure at the time if you guys had made reference or not, but we thought, well, a lot of us at that time had started with him and we didn't want to ignore the fact. We thought, you know, this is this this place, these people, this crowd, this whole environment would not exist if it wasn't for him. And it's it mm. would be insulting to ignore that fact. Yeah. And that's all it was coming from. It was just a respect thing, you know, an absolute salute. And then the show continues. It was just it just had to be done. It wasn't even a question. And I'm glad we did because at the end of the night, a lot of us um, that started at home in the locker room, we kind of sat next to each other and that was that sort of unspoken look at each other like, shit, you know, we couldn't say anything, but it was very much a case of, whew, you know, just like a okay. It yeah. was shake. It was just a shaky, weird vibe. But um, I'm glad we did do that um, because in the crowd that night, unbeknownst to me, until after the show, was uh, Sweet Ass and Jace the Ace, mm. and they. I, I managed to speak to them for, for not as long as I wanted because obviously you know people were leaving. And it was a post-show kind of vibe, and everyone needed to get home, whatnot, whatever, what have you. Um, but I remember hugging them and seeing them, and it was just a case of yeah, that 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 was needed. That was that felt right. Um, to then get to the memorial um, with all the guys there, uh, again, it, it didn't. It 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 felt like it it felt like it was a reality to me at that point. Uh, I think the memorial show. I think in February where the boots were in the ring and. Mm. Seeing his boots and knowing full well that when I started, I think one of the first images I've had of IPW on my first show coming in with Blaze and going into the locker room for my first time was going past that little dressing room in the Bicentennial Center with yeah. the makeup mirror and yeah. having and having hearing this, ah, fuck, and then looking past and there's Hawk being wrapped in barbed wire with those boots on and I'm being like, shit. And then I said to Blaze, I'm like, what the fuck, man, what is this place? Because yeah. that was the first thing I saw coming into that yep. locker room was just him wrapping himself in barbed wire. Yeah. Um, so seeing those boots again after such a huge amount of time, I was like, ah, okay, damn it. Like that kind of like, oh, you know, it's all, it's starting to feel double real now. So when we got to the memorial, that was, I think that was such a unifying moment for everyone. And I mm. think a lot of us there, you know, without question came for Hawk, but I think a lot of us there came for you guys. Um, yeah. Susan, you, Tim, Troy, everyone, like all of mm. your family, extended family, in-laws, everything. We just came to say um, that any grudges that were from his side or from our side or whatever happened, any bad blood, any arguments, all the good times, all the bad, hey, it was what got us there. And yeah we wouldn't be in the position professionally and be the people we are on a personal level if it wasn't for his guidance. And I, yeah, it just, it felt like a very, um, solemn, but obviously saddening, but it, it felt very unifying if I can use that term because mm. it, everyone sort of banded together. Everyone was grieving together, but we all knew that, Together we would all remember and we would all begin to mourn, but we would also all begin to heal together. And I think yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people down the line that, you know, have sent their words of uh, words of praise, words of remembrance, um, that 
you know, could or couldn't be there on, on that day. But, yeah, not a... It showed how many lives he touched. Oh, you know? man, it really does. I mean, only, only the other night, uh, and this was a shoot, only the other night was I going through, you know, given the state that the world's in right now, a lot of people are resorting to streaming services for entertainment, Netflix, YouTube, all that stuff. I got a big box here full of DVDs, and uh, and this is for real. I found all the matches that I had, all the shows rather that I had edited from 2012 to 2013 when I left. Mm. But I'd also found Major Impact two, three, and four. Oh, they're great, aren't they? That I was able. I think when I first started in the production side of things, there, Pete said, "Can you do anything with this?" And he almost quite literally threw the VHS tapes at me. <laughs> mm. Like, well, I can't do anything now. You're throwing them at me. Hurry up. Um, and I remember converting those to DVDs. And um, Do you remember the birthday one where we all surprised him in the ring? Yeah, I remember coming to you. Um, I remember coming to you. The, the show name was uh, Hulk's Birthday Bash, and I remember designing the poster for it with the eagle. But I remember coming to you, um, I, think, I think it was at the end of the show or, or – or maybe it was just before, but I do remember talking to you afterwards. But I think I just came to you and I said, hey, man, can I speak to you? And I pulled you outside and I said, and I remember showing you my gear bag and you're like, what? And I said, I've just bought this. And straight away you got it. You're like, awesome. And I was like, yeah. do you reckon at the end of the show? And you're like, oh, of course. And I'm like, He's, do you reckon he'll appreciate it? And he goes, if you had told him that you were doing this, he'd say no. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But, but because you've like because you've done this on the fly – and yeah, he, he's not that. That footage though of hmm. us all in the ring with, and um, trying to coax him into the ring to celebrate and all that. We used that in the package to promote myself versus Cruz and the reunion. And um, you could see the love and the tears in his eyes and the huge smile. Yeah, and yeah. it really is, you know. Uh, credit to how much he, he loved, you know, wrestling and, and the boys, you know. He was I, still one of the boys, you know. Like, yeah, yeah he'd piss a lot of people off. Mm. And, yeah, he, he'd, um, he'd fuck around a lot and all that. But he he um, he still had a relationship with a lot of the guys. Um, yeah, he did. On the roster. And um, they had every reason to, you know dispute how he was booking them, especially in the end, because he started to lose touch, you know. Mm. Um, but really, like, he was still one of the boys, and there was always that underlining love. And if there wasn't that underlining love, then it was usually myself um, culling them out of the business, you know. Yeah. It would be me addressing it and saying, oh, you have some freaking respect or I'm going to slap the shit out of you. And, and I, um, yeah. I remember, I remember – I remember when that footage got filmed and I made the highlight reel uh, recapping that Hawk's birthday show and I, I had that clip there in slow motion of him smiling and I went, yes, I finally got you smiling. And I remember mm. quoting that footage to him all the time and I was like, you know, he'd, he'd always sit there and he was very stern, but it wasn't from an angry thing. That's just how he was built. This is how he was raised. He was a very stern, stoic kind of guy, uh, very intimidating. So when you didn't know him, it was like, shit, is this dude going to like wear me as a shirt in five minutes? Like you yeah, never, exactly. never quite knew. But hey, once you broke that mold, it was heart of gold. So he used to always have that stern thing. And I used to, you know, he would like, he would be like this with everyone. He'd always rip people or say some sort of sideline comment. You'd go, damn it. I wish I didn't tell you that, you know, something like it was a, in joke between you and him that you'd 
generated from a couple months ago. And uh, I remember that show came out, and uh, he was sitting there stoic, and I said, uh, I think it was down at the, the, the PCYC where we used to train, and I said to him at one point, he was sitting there stoic, and I said, you know, you don't have to be like that anymore. And he went, what? And I said, you know, the crossed arms, the frowning thing. <laughs> and, and he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? And I went, I've got footage of you smiling now. And he goes, fuck you, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> And I used to always say that. I'm like, you know, I've got footage of you smiling. Like every time he was getting angry or something was annoying him at shows, I would come up and say that in his ear. And then he would try yeah. and grab me and give me the whole punch in the nose kind of thing. And then yeah. he's like, that footage get it, ever gets released, I'll kill you. And I'm like, hey, Hawk, have you seen the DVD? And he's like, it better not be fucking on there. I'm like, it's on there. <laughs> oh, I, remember, I remember I made one for him. He watched it and he rang me that night and he goes, fuck, I look good, don't I? And I went, oh. I went what are you talking about? And he goes, Oh, that bit at the end where everyone got in the ring. He goes, fuck, you know, I'll make everyone look good in that ring. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he really thought he was hot stuff, eh? Oh, man. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, it's still, I still, much like you guys, man, I still feel his presence uh, a lot of the time, man. I, I'm kind of in that belief, man, that uh, it's that line from Men in Black. I don't know if it's, uh, if you've seen that movie in recent times, but, uh, there's a scene where they're driving upside down when they when that when they're in that supercar and they go into the tunnel and Tommy Lee Jones is listening to Elvis and Will Smith goes, you know, Elvis is dead, right? And he goes, no, Elvis is not dead. He just went home. Yeah. I always think about that with Pete, where everyone's like, you know, Pete passed away. No, he didn't pass away. He just went home. So yeah. I always always sort of keep. I don't know why. I don't know why that quote came up in my head when he passed, but I just I think maybe it was the old country music thing that he used to love jamming to. But uh, yeah, yeah, that that. It stuck with me where I was like, yeah, no, I, I don't. Well, Pete loved Elvis too. Like he was a huge Elvis fan. So maybe yeah, well, like, that, that might have been it. I know he was into his his, his westerns. Um, yeah, yeah. He, I, he he loved dressing up as Elvis too. He used to dress up as Elvis <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Never yeah. knew that, man. Never knew that. Yeah. But um, all right. R.I.P. We're getting to the end of the podcast now. We're about to head off into that sunset. Guys out there know you as R.I.P. I've always known you as Josh, and I've always known you as a straight shooter. So right now, we're going to straight shoot right into a segment I like to call a deep dive. This is where I ask you specific questions that only you yourself can give your own unique spin on, your own unique answer. So R.I.P., are you ready for the deep dive? Let's do it. All right, man. What was a turning point in your life? How did it affect you? And if it was negative, how did you overcome it? Turning point in my life. Yeah. Um, I would say the birth of my um, first daughter, Amelia. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, it, it changed my life in, in every sense of the word because you just, you appreciate everything more. You, mm. you appreciate life. Yeah. Um, you you want to have that goal of being there for this little thing that's in your arms and um, you, you've got to make sacrifices and you've got to, you've got to put in a lot of time to these, to kids, you know? And, um, yeah, it was, it just changed my whole outlook on life. I I've actually, I don't know if it's a personality crisis or what it is, but I've, I think I've just changed as a person completely yeah. because, um, I, I think it's, it's toughened me up in a lot of ways where mm. you're putting this kid first and, you want to do anything you can to protect them from the harshness of life. And so I mm. think, yeah, being a parent really, really changed who I was and, um, yeah, made me really appreciate life. And um, having a second kid only 
um, did that more for me. And um, I, I really, I really feel lucky, you know, mm, yeah. um, and grateful for what I have and, and family, you know. Yeah, it, it totally puts everything to perspective when uh, when that first kid gets born. Yeah. Hey, you've already you've received a lot of advice and you've given out a lot of advice throughout the years. But what was the best advice that you have ever received? I'm not going to say where I heard it, but like one of the things that's good advice is like, will it matter in five years? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. a personal issue with someone. Um, and you know, you, you come across that every now and then in wrestling, like, wait, listen, mate, I, I want to really slap the shit out of you, mm-hmm. but you think to yourself, will it matter in five years? You know? And yeah, if you, if you have a, a quarrel with your wife, you know, you, you think <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, will it matter in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Will it matter in five minutes? It probably won't because marriage is that petty, you mm. know? So, um, yeah. yeah, like I think that's a good advice, but I think, um, another one is, um, the people you piss off on the way to the top are the people you run into on the way to the bottom. And I think that's a really good advice. And it's advice that I give every single person who's wanting to be a wrestler mm-hmm. when they're about to go on shows, or whatever. I usually say this to them because you make enemies. It, it's just putting up roadblocks for yourself. You want to be as respectful as you can and humble and always look for improvement, you know, mm. but, um, yeah, you don't want to be making enemies in the business. Yeah, no, I completely agree, man. All right, this is the part of the podcast now, which I like to call the Lipton Six. This is in tribute of James Lipton, who sadly we lost earlier this year in March 2020. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994 2018. So in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So you ready for the Lipton Six? Let's do it. All right, man. First of all, what is your favorite word? Vafongul. <laughs> for the people playing at home that didn't write that down, do you want to say what that word is? Um, it's, it's, it's pretty much a fuck you in Italian. <laughs> I, I like it. I just, I say it a lot and people okay. look at me strange. All right. It's just second nature now. What turns you on? Now it could be in the way you're thinking about, or it could be it's something that makes you happy or excited for life. Like, yes, that's happening. I'm pumped up and ready to go. What turns me on? Yeah. Okay. Dudes. No, um, <laughs> I think, I think. Dreaming of you naked. <laughs> yeah. Um, Peggy's bananas. Um, no, I think what really uh, turns me on is honesty and, but like blunt honesty. Yeah. Like um, someone will be like, oh, you got a new hairstyle. That's great. That's great. And then one person will be like, oh, I don't really, really like it. <laughs> and that's usually me <laughs> in a crowd. Right. So I'm usually, I don't know. Have you ever watched Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm Larry David, really, in in those situations. Like, I'm very sociable. I want to be everyone's mate, but I also address the elephant in the room really quickly. So, yeah, I'll be like, oh, well, that, that was a bit shit of you to do, you know? Yeah. And um, that turns me on. And so when I see other people who are, are blunt and, and dicks like me, I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. 
I like that. <laughs> Do you have the theme song play? Like if someone walks in with a necklace and you go, oh, that's a shit necklace. And they go, oh, I just saved from my house that burnt down. Dum, 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey. story of my life, man. So that's a very unique sound, but what sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise that I love? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the Curb Your Enthusiasm song (laughs) because I hear it a lot. Like in my head, I hear that a lot. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Now we'll do real life because you run the business. So real life, if you weren't working in the medical field, what would you like to do if you weren't doing that? Uh, Organized crime. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I'd, I'd like to be in the mafia. I really would. Okay. Um, I think I'd be a good Don. And um, I think because Pete was always called the, the godfather of wrestling. Yeah, he was. And the way he ran things was like the mob. And I think I've learned all right. So, yeah, I'd like to be a gangster. But <laughs> but I guess in an immediate, I'd maybe mental health, uh, further work in mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, improving their lives. Yeah. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I don't know. Shit. Uh, sup, bitches? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I'd like God to be a really relatable relatable dude. Like, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd really be happy if, like, I get to heaven and it's Al Pacino. Yeah. And he's just like, come with me. You know, like, yeah, that'd be happy ending for me. <laughs> All right, man. Speaking of a happy ending, we're going to hit that NOS. We're going to slam on that pedal, and we're going to drive towards the finish line, Vin Diesel style, as we slam our way towards the final four. First up, was there ever a point in your life where you thought, hey, this isn't going to work. Uh, this uh, this might not be for me. Um, There's been matches where I've gone out into the ring, and I'm like, this is not for me. This is This match is off to a really bad start. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to continue this match. And then oh. I remember, like, one of these matches, I got dropped on my head, and I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm done with this match. So right. I punched, I, I clotheslined the guy, and he shit himself, you know? <laughs> so I, so, um... So I'm yeah. to stop? Yeah, exactly. And so I was done after that. Well, maybe as a follow-up question, have you ever stopped and thought, man, how the hell did I get here? Yeah. Working, working in aged care, right. you find yourself looking after these elderly people and whether like you take them out and these are people with high care dementia and they end up in the ladies room and I'll run into the ladies room and try and wrestle them out of the room and say, oh, look, <laughs> let's go this way. Let's go this way. And all these women are looking at me mortified. That's how I kind of think sometimes like how the hell did I get here in life? Yeah. Um, but I've since moved up the ladder and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right for myself, but yeah, you know, <laughs> Sometimes in aged care, you get put in these positions where, you know, it's compromising. Yeah. Uh, at this age, the age you're at now, take me back to when you first started wrestling, when you first on those ring. Did you ever think back then, at the age you're at now, that this is where you'd be? No. I didn't think I'd live this long, honestly. Um, just the, the way I was wrestling at one point. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, like. Um, cause we were doing weekly shows and taking chair shots or every night. And, you know, luckily wrestling's kind of changed, but, um, no, I did not think it would be a family business where I was running things. Right. I, right. I just ha- was under the impression that, you know, it would always be Hawk and, um, yeah. 
All right, man. Final question. Currently, what is your proudest moment or achievement? Proudest moment or achievement? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's not a sing- singular moment, but, you know, those two, having those two kids uh, to call my own kids. Yeah. And I, I sometimes I'm sitting down in the lounge and, you know, my wife's, you know, lying on my shoulder and I've got these two kids running around and I just think, you know, this is really nice. Um, but also I'll say um, real moment of pride is, you know, the way uh, Troy and I took care of things that night for Pete. Mm. It gave me a lot of closure and mm-hmm. um, it helped me heal a lot of wounds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I feel you, man. But yeah, so family for you, proudest moment. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. We've gone through your combined history of you and I. We've gone through your history, not only as a wrestler, but as a person. Hey, before we hit off into that sunset, where can people find you on social media? Where do we find IPW stuff? And where do we get in contact with you? Okay. So, um, like our Facebook page, IPW Australia, um, we um, also have a fan page. Um, but yeah, like us on IPW Australia. Um, feel free to send us a message if you have any training inquiries, anything like that, we'll get back to you right away. Uh, we do shows on the first Saturday of every month. Doors open at 6.30. The show starts at 7. Right. Okay. Yeah, down, down there at William Duncan in the ring. Yeah, that's it. Thank you for helping me there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. RIP, thank you so much for uh, coming on board today, giving me your time, sharing some memories, sharing some moments, and hey, uh, I'm damn sure happy to have known you and continue to know you all these years later. I'm proud of the transition you made from not only as a, an early performer, learning to wrestle, but giving that arduous task of, of taking over the business, handling the situations that went down post, post-transition and still coming out with a smile on your face and running those monthly shows for all those guys and girls. I know it means a lot to them and you mean a lot to us. So from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you for sticking through it and uh, being who you are today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Flash. All right, man. I'll catch you down the road. All right. Take it easy, man. See ya. And there you have it. That's it. That's the complete three-part series with Josh, a.k.a. R.I.P., the IAPW Australia owner. Thank you so much for listening in to this three-part series. Don't worry, next week we can still got plenty of guests. Next week we'll have another legend on the podcast. Make sure you hit up LNBC Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week. 